looks like the cops came for our streetcar named desire episode so we didn't record that but if you have a copy of it let us know where it is yeah we messed up on the recording well stuff on recording the day um of that uh of, of of that promised episode we pulled a jojo rabbit for you guys but but uh our quick little thoughts on a three car named desire good i think I good more than good here. play yes yeah i found but, it yeah. hard to take it uh seriously with um the main character doing the over-the-top accent that she did in our version that we watched <laughs> but you'll never hear our thoughts about it aside from that anyways <laughs> do you know why we we did that it's because we're celebrating modernism or really discussing modernism because it's modernism month um yeah uh, this is not just any book club the book club where we read multiple books at the same time um this month's theme for what month it is it is may april, april. April was modernism. Um, I mean, the definition is a bit elusive, but um, essentially it's just like very proper standards of just like what fiction comes out to be. It's like it, it came after World War One, the Great War, and um, we kind of saw where everybody um, was just kind of disillusioned, and it was a philosophical arts movement that kind of um made art more cynical so fun fun it was, it was in the early 20th century so you know little they did they did they know that it was going to get a lot worse um from there but yeah and by the way i'm justin i forgot to introduce myself sometimes i do that i'm pierce uh i read he forgets that way <laughs> yeah I read my favorite author, Ernest Hemingway, and his debut novel or his first published novel, The Sun Also Rises, which, you know, not the most enjoyable read, in my opinion, but people love it. I, I don't get it, but we'll, we'll get to that. I want to explain some modernism stuff um, besides that little brief intro that I did. Um... Sorry, uh, I was reading something in the other window. Um, uh, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's pretty good. Uh, I will say it feels like modernism kind of means a lot of different things to a lot of different... Yeah, it's very um, nice. Well, especially like across cultures, um, mm. modernism to Kafka is different from modernism in the UK and ireland is, is, is yeah. different to modernism in the u.s um but overall i think like i think in the u.s modernism kind of uh for for some it was like kind of more of a simplification of writing um being more clear about what you uh want to say and what you want to get across to the reader um for others it was about uh going beyond that and going a bit avant-garde and making it um clearly decipherable but difficult to decipher um 
Yeah. Without James Joyce comes to mind. <laughs> well, he is pretty difficult to understand. Yeah. That's like, that's pushing it in the modernism. Like, it's the right time period, but like. No, no, he he's like a modernist author. He is like, yeah. that's like his soul, one of his big, like, things that he falls under. Um. Yeah. That, and that's that's kind of what I mean, that it's like, it, it yeah. means very different things across cultures and across, uh, even even that in the true. U.S., where I feel like a lot of modernists are kind of simplifying, like we have Faulkner, too, I think he counts. Yeah, and Hemingway. Well, Hemingway simplified. That was what I was saying. Oh, was contrasting. yeah, okay, yeah, they're, they're doing yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. 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 We are, we, we know our modernism. Essentially, it's just, <laughs> it kind of set the stage for postmodernism, where it also just like, let's throw away all the rules. Yeah. But, yeah. Um, shall we get into our books? Um, I have not met, read Miss Dalloway, so I, I don't have much to add, but if you want to, I've never read a Virginia Woolf novel, so. Yeah. Um. Well, so... Virginia Woolf herself, uh, I read a little bit about her when I was going to read the book because um, it helps. I, I hope, well, I also just hope to read more Virginia Woolf. I tend to like modernist authors a lot. Um, I will say, I think after reading both James Joyce and Virginia Woolf, I've kind of shrunk that like oh i love modernist authors to i love lost generation authors which is like specifically oh. people who not specifically but like typically people who served in world war one stuff like that um because mm -hmm. i didn't love this book as much as i typically oh, love no. other other modernist authors um but uh virginia wolf uh one of the most important modernists uh, she was from the UK. She was from London, actually. Um, and um, she, was, she grew up affluent. She was homeschooled. Um, she was involved kind of early in her life in, for like women's education reform and women's rights in general. Um, I'm not going to go too deep into her life. I think one thing that's important to mention uh, is that um, there is a lot of... I don't know. I, I, I would have to read up on it again. Uh, basically, there's like... She's, she, she was probably bisexual or even homosexual. Um, I would have to read up on that again to know exactly which and remember what the evidence is. Uh, but it's it's very clear, I think, that she had a relationship with a woman um, at one point in her life. Um, hmm. Oh, no, she had several affairs with women. I'm just I'm oh. just looking over. Yeah. So so she she was um, bisexual, uh, probably as long as you don't think like, oh, you know, in her society, she was. Um, supposed to, but she also said that she loved her husband to, you know, the people, other other people hmm. that around them. So I would assume that she was bisexual, but you know, different time. She could have felt forced into that relationship, I guess. Uh, if you want to, uh, 
say that with some kind of evidence behind it. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so Mrs. Dalloway is a bit of a slice slice of life novel. It is a day in the life of Clarissa Dalloway, who um, is having a party. And uh, she's planning this party, and um, that's, ba- that's basically it, uh, to be real. But a few other things happen throughout the day, like um, her uh, an ex-lover comes home. He was uh, in India, um, and he, he comes back, and he's been engaged, but it's clear that they s- still... It seems like they both kind of have feelings for each other. Um, but Clarissa is married, and and you know he's engaged. Um, but it's clear why he's come back, which is to kind of try and see if there's still a spark there. Um, at least that's how I read it. Um, and uh, so she's planning her party, and he kind of goes away after their interaction, and um, he ends up watching. Probably two of the, the the it scans around a little bit throughout the novel, um, and you see like little bits and pieces from other characters who aren't Clarissa or this ex lover, um, and he ends up watching uh, for a while. Uh, I think he sees them in the park at first. Um, Septimus Warren Smith, who was a World War One veteran, and he. Um, he was kind of spending the day in the park with his uh, wife, Lucrezia, from Italy. And he, she ends up taking him to the doctor. Uh, and he is, because he's having these, like, hallucinations and he's acting really weird. And he clearly has what we would call today PTSD. <laughs> um, okay. and, and so he, the doctor basically prescribes him... Uh, involuntary committal to like um, a psychiatric hospital, a psychiatric ward. Um, And instead of going, he commits suicide. Um, And uh, she... I, I think his doctor goes to Clarissa's party, ends up at Clarissa's party. Um, if I'm not mistaken, and that's how she she hears of oh you know this this young veteran committed suicide, um, uh, and you know that's why the doctor arrives late to the party, and Clarissa kind of separates to think about um his death, and um it. I, I know it sounds like I've been struggling and it's because I've been thinking about some of the things in this book and it is very, um, you remember when I said like I've, I kind of separated the U S and the UK and that the UK and Ireland yeah. and they, they kind of were making things a little bit more complicated. Um, I would say that because, uh, probably the most influential modernist from the UK in Virginia Woolf and the most influential from Ireland in uh, James Joyce, both are making things more complicated. In fact, this has been compared to Ulysses. 
And so, like, um, part of the reason why we didn't record the streetcar episode was because we've had finals and we've been extremely busy. Um, and so I was not able to, I read the whole book, but I was, I didn't feel able to give this, this book, the time it deserved to really Mm -hmm. understand it on a deeper level. And the end of the book really is her kind of thinking deeply about, um, this young veteran's death and, and kind of, um, there's like this, it's kind of like admiration for him for not mm. like giving up a part of himself to go into the psychiatric ward. I, I want to say I'm um, assuming also around this time probably wasn't the best idea because I'm assuming maybe a lobotomy would have happened. Uh, yes, it's actually, that is something that would be interesting to look up. That's total. That is totally possible. Um, I, I just know they probably didn't treat them very well, especially with people with PTSD. Um, yeah. Well, so it's also interesting because uh, Virginia oh. Woolf actually committed suicide. Um, she. This is something I read. Story. This is something I read about very early on. She um, was depressed a lot. She had really bad mental health. And she was really obsessed with death. And that's, I'm guessing there's this, the admiration that Clarissa feels towards the end. You can kind of maybe put that onto Virginia Woolf a little bit. Um, And yeah, uh, she, it's quite sad. She, she, she wrote a suicide note, which I've seen a few times um at this point even outside of just the research i did for this book um she wrote a suicide note to her husband dearest i feel certain i'm going mad again i feel we can't go through another one of those terrible times and i shan't recover this time i begin to hear voices and i can't concentrate so i am doing what seems the best to do you have given me the greatest possible happiness you have been in every way all that anyone could be I don't think two people could have been happier till this terrible disease came. I can't fight it any longer. I know I'm spoiling your life that without me you could work, and you will, I know. You see, I can't even write this properly. I can't read. What I want to say is I owe all the happiness of my life to you. You have been entirely patient with me and incredibly good. I want to say that. Everybody knows it. If anybody could have saved me, it would have been you. Everything has gone for me, but the certainty of your goodness. I can't go on spoiling your life any longer. I don't think two people could have been happier than we have been. Um, and so, like, I read that just to be like, she. I want to say more about this book. I really do, but I, I, I do not feel. Um, uh. I don't feel properly again. I just didn't give it enough time to really like dig into the meaning of a lot of moments. Um, I guess I'll say really quickly, some of the things that did stand out. I did notice um, it was interesting kind of towards the beginning. There was a um, actually all of the interactions throughout the book between the young veteran and his Italian wife. Um, The things that 
they kind of assume about one another and the wife especially very early on she says something about like oh he he would um he could imagine his life without me but i could not imagine my life without him men are selfish that way um which i thought was very interesting as a quote um but i bring up her death and the suicide in in a way because it's um it's very clear kind of even in this the way you know like i said clarissa ends with kind of an ad, an admiration of this man who committed suicide instead of getting help um mm. so she was mentally ill as well she had poor mental health and uh she ended her life I don't believe in exactly the same way because in the book he jumps out of a window, but um, I don't. I don't think she does that. Oh, she drowned herself. Um, but uh, alas, like still the same. You know, she 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 committed suicide. So, um, mm. yeah, kind of a downer. Yeah. But... Uh, I guess I'll say really quickly, um, stylistically, I, I mentioned similarities to Ulysses. It is stream of consciousness. This is the one thing I know about this book. There, there is stream break. of consciousness, especially um, in, like, basically, there will be a conversation between two people or a group of people, and then you get long portions that are just like, Oh, this guy's walking through the park and he's thinking and he's thinking to himself. And it's basically like the chapter I I really did not like from the beginning of Ulysses, like every every like twenty ish pages or so. Um where they're just walking around and thinking about stuff and uh yeah. Um I do want to come back and read this, but I also know just stylistically it's not for me. Um Exhausting. Yeah. Uh, so maybe I should give another Virginia Woolf a book a shot. But, um, yeah, thematically, I've talked about mental illness. Um, there's kind of like... Uh, I had read about this earlier. Um, there's a lot of focus on the passage of time. Um there's kind of a lot of pointing towards Big Ben. Um, uh, it takes place over the course of a single day, and there's kind of like this inevitable push constantly towards the party um, and or the events that befall all of the characters, really, like the the suicide of um, of Septimus and and the the party at the end of the day and how every all everything is just kind of moving inevitably towards that moment. Um, uh, there's also feminism and and there's um, some Clarissa is almost certainly uh, somewhat gay. Um, she very early on in the book you find out that like she considers this moment where she kissed her friend uh one of the happiest moments of her life 
Mm. So, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like this book, um, it, again, since it's so almost autobiographical, this could almost be considered like a Roman a clef. Mm-hmm. A book with a key. Um, it's a French term, basically just um, basically fictionalizing your own autobiography using people that you know in real life and making them be characters and changing some details. Um, so it, I, is, I, I'm, it is possible. I definitely kind of read it that way after reading a little bit about uh, Virginia mm-hmm. Woolf, the affluent, the relationships with women. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. I don't know anything about her real life husband, but for some reason, uh, Mr. Dalloway, I was just like, yeah, that sounds like that sounds like a, a classic, like early 20th century English husband for some reason. Um, yeah, it's, it, it definitely could be that for sure. I think. Hmm. Well, I mean, I don't have much to add. I, I it does pique my interest, um, uh, mainly because it reminds me a bit of Sylvia Plath's, um, the bell jar, mm-hmm. um, where it does talk about depression in a very scarily accurate way that just seems horrifying. Um, and, I'm assuming, um, obviously, mental health has gotten better. Uh, but around this time, this was written in the 20s, so it was before lobotomy. But like, it's still, they probably didn't treat their mentally ill, we sound. Um, around the 50s, there was this was like when shock therapy and um, like bad kind of shock therapy, like the electro, like what do you see in um, the one that flew over the cuckoo's nest? Lobotomies were popular or on the rise. Um, basically, they did not see. Um, getting help as a way to do it. Uh, I think this even goes back into like the late 1800s. Um, I don't know if you ever read the um, the yellow wallpaper, but essentially, the doctors didn't know what to do with mental illness, so they would just prescribe people to um, just do something to just alleviate their mind and give them an occupation to do, uh, just to distract themselves, and it never worked. Um, the yellow wallpaper is a horror um, short story about a woman who is just recently bereaved or i think she's like grieving someone um and the doctor essentially is just saying go up in your attic and look at a yeah at the wallpaper and then just clear your mind that way it turns it's it's a horror novel um and i'm assuming it's just like this is also reminiscent of just like healthcare or not mm-hmm. healthcare i mean just like our understanding of the mind uh, i don't know if freud um, Freud's ideas about like psychology and the childhood and trauma. I don't even know if Freud had anything to do with trauma, but essentially, I, I just don't think psychology um, really made its way into our understanding of what it is now. Um, thankfully, it's gotten a lot better, but it's not like this. No, it's been described here. All right. Yeah. So here's a book that Pierce has read. And here's a book that I just recently read. And Hemingway and I have had a bit of a spat, you know. I haven't always gotten along with him. I enjoy his short stories, his novels. Maybe, maybe not as much. I read The Sun Also Rises, uh, which was his first novel. Um that that made him this was his first novel, and I think it was one of his most popular ones. I don't want to say it was number one, but um do it think it was that and or just like i think is la- one of his last novels um the old man in the sea i think these two novels are kind of eponymous um with hemingway um and essentially 
Um, it, it did receive mixed reviews on publication, but it has grown a legacy on its own. And also now it's in the modern, uh, it's in the public domain. So that that's cool. Um, this is, I think, the epitome of what a modernist novel is. Um, again, at least in America. In America, that is yeah. true. Um, specifically, the Lost Generation. Um, or just Don coined this term. I think Hemingway also presented the, the notion that the Lost Generation uh, was, in fact, resilient and strong, but like still disillusioned. Um, but um, I just I like did not can... like this. Yeah. I was going to say, I feel like you can find that idea specifically in Hemingway in a short story we read for one of his episodes. Uh, the, yeah. the, the soldier or the. I should, I should... <laughs> we should know this. It's, it's been a while. It. Yeah. Soldier's um, home. Soldier's home. Soldier's home. Oh, yeah. 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 Yes. 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 Um, but Hemingway, um, this is also this novel is inspired by true events. This is also considered a roman, a clef, um, novel because all the friends. I I don't remember who um is analogous to who or like how much of it is true, but essentially it is just essentially uh, his friends and how basically they are just um traveling around the world and after World War One, after the Great War, they are trying to find meaning in their lives. Um, and the character, the main character, Jake, is an author who has become impotent and uh, after an injury that he sustained during the war, which I think kind of speaks magnitudes about like just like I, I'm assuming th this has been interpreted um, as in this way. Um, it's kind of like a romance novel, but the main character, the protagonist is kind of on the sidelines, even though you kind of want him and Brett, who is the female lead. Um, to be together, even though it doesn't really turn out the way, because essentially the one reason I just did not like this is because um, aside from the writing style, I, I know it's supposed to be very terse and it's stylistically like that, and th there are some great sentences that like rely on the subtext, but there is so much subtext that it doesn't, like, you can't really, in my opinion, you can't really enjoy this on like a, a surface level. Um, it's kind of represent you, you actually do have to understand the time period and everything about it because it's just like it just doesn't click with me I, I i dare i really hate to say this but it just feels very aimless um and i i, I know that a lot of the because a lot of the stuff is um uh the things that they do um it's kind of meandering um and i i get that to explore like the emptiness of their lives like um robert Cohn, which Probably is the most annoying character in the book. Um, he's seeking to um, relive his glory days because he was a boxer at Princeton. He hated boxing. And after he um, was graduated from um, Princeton, um, he he um, is overly aggressive. He has this big ego. I'm um, still hangs out with everyone, but it just doesn't. He is annoying. And unfortunately, there are some anti-Semitic um, roots in this. I don't know if. That was because of the person he, uh, Hemingway knew in real life, or is he, you know, one of those interesting character flourishes that he added here? Um, one of the aspects of the book that did not change well, I think we can both agree on that. Um, but aside from that, I just like the, the at least this book is divided into four books or three books or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, the first, the first two books at least are just like I hate to say nothing's happening, but it's a it's just a bunch of people hanging out and drinking and talking about how 
boring life is after uh, or meaningless like the world is and it is kind of dour but at the same time every character just seems to be so insufferable and i just i was i was i was not vibing about it um with it at all um it just feels like there's just so much filler um throughout um well from what i i haven't read this book in in a while but from what i remember it it wasn't the like meaninglessness didn't completely come through in the characters' conversations with each other. It came through in the like the fact that they were doing the same thing over and over and over again. And it's fun um, to read. and the the thing that's that's interesting about it is the um when we when they go to Spain, right? You imagine, like, this is a big change. They're taking a break. They're taking a vacation. They're going to go have some fun in a new place and, and you know, do something else. Um, uh, although I don't feel like tonally it quite it quite gets there to, like, prime your expectations yeah. for that. Um, but that's, that's kind of what you imagine. And um, the characters that they add in Spain, the bullfighters are interesting specifically because of uh, what they say about meaning or meaninglessness yeah. and purpose. Yeah. The matadors. I, I forgot who said the quote, but um, essentially I think one of the characters before, I think this is like one of the, bit the foreshadowing because I knew this book was about bullfighting and they mentioned mm -hmm. offhand, like I want to live like, bullfighters who live on top of the world or something like that so i'm assuming they just kind of put them on a pedestal because they always live on the edge here um one thing i do want to say is that um this book is essentially all about masculinity um it's right there in the main character again who suffered an injury um fighting for his country or i have my opinions about you know us being involved in world war one but he was essentially fighting for his country and he becomes impotent Literally, um, some kind of the embodiment of the lost generation because cannot conceive, um, cannot be with a woman again. Um, a Brett who um, is a bit promiscuous to say the least, um, sleeps around with everyone. Um, the big irony here is that even though Jake does have an attraction towards her, he does not um, consummate or he can't really do anything. Um, mm. the relationship would not come through. Um, which I, I, I think that's supposed to show that, like. There's some frustration in how romance kind of basically they, they don't have an idealized view of romance um, probably after the war. Um, maybe I'm reading a bit much into that. Also, I did look up something um, about a legend, an Arthurian legend called the Fisher King. Essentially, there was a, a king um, who because um, this is kind of analogous with, again, um, being fertile. Um, after um, the Fisher King, whoever that guy was, um, he was a figure, he was a character, um, an authority legend, and he committed a grave sexual crime. Um, it's not ever said what it was, but because of this, it um, it renders him like he was supposed to be the protector of the land, and now it renders him infertile. And now the kingdom's barren, and he can't even ride a horse. He basically is just um, because. You can't get up, get it up. Now the world is going to go to waste because he can't have another generation. Um, 
people. So I, I, I'm assuming the symbolism, the phallic symbolism that's all but stated is um, just kind of found in this little one character detail um, mm-hmm. and the irony of it being in a quote unquote kind of romance, but not really kind of an anti-romance. Um, yeah. Well, and I think specifically in that, the mentioning of, of other of new generations there, the people who have the most to teach from their experience in the war have no interest in metaphorically mm-hmm. have no interest in, in actually having and raising children. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm or assuming that lessened, Cone, I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm assuming Robert Cohn is supposed to, I, maybe, maybe Hemingway is kind of progressive here. Maybe some toxic masculinity here. Um, so yeah, it, it is something that he kind of derides as just like something that shouldn't be happening. Um, so yeah. Um, and I think bullfighters again are supposed to be representing the epitome of just like what is the most masculine here. Um, they engage in real link stuff. And I think, um, kind of spoiler, but not really, because again, there's not much to spoil. Um, Brett sleeps with one of them after she is just absolutely taken up by one of them and is like, that's my goal. I'm going to go for it immediately. You can't stop me. And she does, which I'm like, okay. Um, and then Cone and the, the new Matador guy get into a fight. Um, and Cone loses badly. Um, I don't know what that's supposed to represent. I feel like that should just be representing like the angst and like how perhaps this is kind of like a happy ending, how toxic masculinity and masculinity that's just based on aggression and um, diminishing the, the needs of other people, objectifying well, women, especially. I've- I think it's more to do with youth. He loses to this new young bullfighter who is, mm. um, yeah, he 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 doesn't have the the same experiences, and he's not there. There's like a if I remember correctly, there's like a meaninglessness to everything that the bullfighter is doing and all of that. But um, and and the bullfighter himself is is feeling that um, the main one who who yeah. Uh, um gets with uh sorry what's her name um i'm blanking uh brett 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 yeah yeah uh the main one who like get gets with brett and everything he's like this this new youth but he also has this um it's like kind of meaninglessness in in the actions that he's taking the things that he's doing he doesn't um and there's also nice kind of like he's kind of like separate like he's trying to separate himself from from Brett a little bit towards the end from what I remember mm-hmm. which I feel like kind of represents the fact that she the thing that that she wants um first of all it's it's not all that because that that bullfighter is not this like this this meaning that she's projected onto him he's not like he still feels this even though he's young and he's he's uh, doing well for himself right now, um, there's this impending sense of meaninglessness that's coming for him. Um, but then there's also like she'll she won't perfectly achieve that. Like he will he he doesn't that kind of person doesn't want her either. The person who mm-hmm. wants her is either someone she doesn't want or someone who can't have her because he's. Um, uh, a, a a eunuch, <laughs> a, essentially, um, yeah, a uh, 
you know, he became infertile because of the war, all that. Mm-hmm. Um, he, so like the, there's this, the thing she wants, she can't have. And the things that she doesn't want, um, that want her, it'll never work out. Um, it's kind of the, a tragedy in that sense. Tragedy. Well, I mean, it would be tragic if I didn't really hate all these characters. Uh, I mean, yeah, they, they're all awful and I'm enjoying my time with them. It wasn't like, ooh, the, the fun kind of bad. It's just like, I'm, I'm not having fun with these characters at all. But mm-hmm. there are people that enjoy this book that are just proclaiming it to be their favorite or whatever. The favorite Hemingway novel, which is like, wow. All right, go for that. But yeah, uh, it, it, it just didn't vibe with me. I feel like I would, um, I mean, I, I do think it's probably the most modernist book like this is the epitome it's emblematic of the entire lost generation movement just like and represents all the disillusionment that they all felt etc etc i just like man i i wish that i could have enjoyed this more because i certainly did not but whatever i i did try to my best to at least see what other people were saying and i did my best to try to understand it but man are these people just insufferable Any other any other um you know discussions about this that you want to add? Um, no. It's your boy. Yeah. Well, I just I don't. This is the the one Hemingway novel or one of two Hemingway novels that I've read that I'm just kind of like. I mean, you can not like it. Like, I don't really. It doesn't bother me. Um, <laughs> it bothers me when it's something that like is very clearly quality, and it just feels like. Either there are people who are hating on it because it is Hemingway and they don't like Hemingway in general, or oh. they're they're just not like quite seeing, you know, what everyone else is seeing. Um, this doesn't bother me that much because the the complaint is just like it's about like what the book is, and that's fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. It, it it's. Yeah, there there, there is there is something to be gotten out of this book, but like it's it's a complaint about like what's the plot, and I, I you know you can't really I don't think you can really argue that much with that, unless somebody's just blatantly wrong about the plot. But I mean, a, a lot of similar stuff happens for the first two thirds. I think it does really pick up in the final third when they go to Spain. Yeah, but um, I was expecting it to be like you know this is gonna be the best. This is this is where it gets because you you did warn me about that. I'm like, all right, here I go. And I'm like, right, when is it getting good? It's over. I really I really was pulled in from the very beginning of when they went to Spain. Like when they're um he's uh kind of in like a cabin or a, a house that they've rented with uh one of his friends and then they go out and they go fishing and I re- I really loved that that section. I thought that that was Oh yeah, the fishing section was cool. That was a really Fish. interesting way to kick it off and it was different from everything else before it. Um, and it really kind of was a hard divide for this section. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't have anything else to say besides that. Like, I did try to enjoy it. Um, like, I don't hate this book. It's just like, I mean, it is well written. Um, I, I, again, I don't hate Hemingway style, even though I, I don't know how many Hemingway books I've read and Hemingway stories where I, I don't think I've ever complained about like the writing about the old man and sea, but that was the first time I read. I read this. I read that book two more times just to like 
Spite, just be like, all right, Pierce, I'm gonna read this book as many times as I can just to spite you. And I, the, the writing did grow custom. I did grow custom to the writing, and I'm like, uh, I, I do like how terse it is and all that, but like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I know this, I, I don't know if you want to be talking about this, but I'm Winger Faulkner, just. Throwing that out there. Oh, well, I haven't read enough Faulkner. Um, okay. I feel like in the like in the end, um, they just they fulfill two different purposes for me. Mm. Like Hemingway is a very like this is what I'm saying, and anything that you want to get from un- underneath my words is up to you and. But I'm going to tell you directly what everything that I would need you or want you to know to get my point across. Uh, Whereas Faulkner is is very much like a, I feel like um, prosaic, maybe. Yeah, it's like a lot purposefully deeper. Um, Not not to say Hemingway's isn't isn't deep, but I just mean like it's a little. Um, he makes it more difficult to parse out on purpose uh, to mm-hmm. fulfill like some other meaning that you can't quite achieve with um, iceberg theory. Yeah, um, it, it, he's trying to achieve a different feeling, a different tone, and a, and a different apples to type, oranges type of That's meaning. What I just pulled on you. Guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well. I don't have anything else to add. Uh, I'll still read more Hemingway just to just to find that one <laughs> book, and maybe I'll read all the short stories just to become I, an expert and an author. I'm just kind of lukewarm on. Yeah, um, I think overall, like I still do really enjoy modernism. I feel like it's a it's a a, a tough thing to pick out to say like, oh, I love modernism because it's so varied, um, and I'd love to give. Um, Virginia Woolf another chance. I just think like I just think A, Mrs. Dalloway, I was busy. B, Mrs. Dalloway wasn't really for me, like just because like I said, I could I compare it to the chapters in Ulysses that I, I don't really didn't really like that much. Um so you know, I'd love to give Virginia Woolf another shot because I didn't hate her writing. I just style like stylistically, time. yeah. Stylistically, yeah. this one specifically was a little eh, and it wasn't the right time for me. Yeah, so. especially because it's stream consciousness and I don't think there were any chapter breaks. So probably not the best way to be Yeah, I was just stopping whenever I... Yeah. 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 You, you read a book at the right time. Which, mm-hmm. you know what? We could be ending stuff at the right time like right now. I think yep. that's a good segment. Um... You can follow us on Twitter or um, TikTok at not just any pod, uh, where you'll find information on our podcast, as well as memes, funny little and content, TikToks, content. Um, please, if you enjoyed, give us a like, rating, follow, subscribe, whatever it is on whatever platform. We really appreciate it. Uh, and join us share next with your month. Friends. Yeah, and share. Uh, we really appreciate that. Um, and join us next month for. Vonnegut month, essentially Slaughterhouse Five month. We both read Slaughterhouse Five. Um, yes. Maybe we'll come so, back yeah. and do more Vonnegut in the future. Maybe if we both really Possibly. enjoyed it. Possibly. 
But uh, this month basically will end up being Slaughterhouse Five Months. So join us for that yeah. uh, in late May. And you know the best part about this episode is that now you officially do not have to listen to the first episode because one thing it lacks goodbye Prometheus. <laughs>